0: Love Talk Radio. time to get in the game
1: and it's American Tennis and this coach Chuck Creasy it's another week of American Tennis and uh, folks we got the U.S. Open going on right now down to the quarterfinals I guess and to tell you the truth I have not been watching a bunch of them I'm uh, sort of I don't know whether I just tuned out or it just you know look if I'm running that thing up there and all the networks, if any of you guys listening, you guys need to pump the American players a heck of a lot more. In other words, those early rounds we need to be watching only the you know the Americans playing. And I, look, I'm not against uh, knowing who the the stars are from international countries, but I sure in the heck. Want to see the Americans a lot more, and uh, so I don't know. I I love watching Federer. I love watching Nadal. Some of the other guys like seeing those new guys coming up, and some of the young ladies. Oh, I like Madison Keys a lot. She's doing well. She's always had some grit and she's tough. But I don't I don't know. There's we're just lacking. And then what really bothered me, watching that too was the doubles. I think tennis Sangren. And uh, what's-his-name, we're in the semifinals there, Sangren and got it. i get Darrell Cummins on here in a second. He'll help me out. But I started to watch adults, and nobody was in stands. What in the heck is going on with that? And um, so I, I don't know. We've got some issues there, and, uh, you know, we're not going to solve everything right now. But I did want to uh, sort of do a lead-in. In my quest to solve some of the things that I'm not too good at, I have been asking the assistance of um, a good friend, I think now, and, and a, but a person who has been a been a co-worker in the sport of tennis in many, many uh, for many years, Darryl Cummins, and I'm going to get him on here in a second. But let me tell you why I've reached out to Daryl Cummins. I there's areas all of us there's saying that. We're usually down on what we're not up to. We, we don't like to address those things we're not good at. I called him a couple months ago and just said, listen, man, I need some help when, on some of the stuff. You're one of the best at promoting the game, at doing, uh, doing things at the ground level that start to swell, the ground swell. But most of us are always sort of afraid to venture into those areas where we're not very good at it. I don't want to – I don't want to get that way, especially as you get older, but I've got to tell you a quick story. You've heard me tell the story of the black door um, before, and this is my lead, and I need to, I've got Coach Cummins, if you just hang on there for a minute, we'll be right with you, but let me tell you this quick story. So, my son is 12 years old. He's playing baseball, and his coach is very much into the fitness, so my son has been working like crazy on trying to get his push-up count uh, down. So, you know, they do a push-up contest in one minute. They max out and see how many they can do. And he has been working like crazy. So along comes the big day yesterday where he was supposed to go and participate, not compete, and compete against the rest of the kids. And talking about trying to get cold feet at the last hour you could before he was going over there you could tell that he was getting nervous and then he didn't want to go and then he was telling his mother no 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 I think I'm going to do something else here I'm going to and I and I, I was sort of trying to watch some matches on the US Open and I come in there and I about lost I said son you're going to compete you can you can go over there and do worse than everybody else if you give your best you can do best than anybody else you can do your best Probably going to do somewhere in between. But you're not going to work at something for a couple months here and then just bag it. You know, because you will rot inside. Two hours from now, you're going to feel like, why was I a wimp? Why did I back down from this? You're going to go over there and compete. And I almost lost it. I said, I couldn't care less how you do, son. But you go over there and you give your, you give everything. And so I sort of drug him out the door. He was half crying, and he came out and got in the car and sort of threw his shoes in the front seat, and I drove him over to the place, the ball diamond, where the coach was having him doing that. And way over, I was trying to tell him, son, what do you think the black door looks like? What do you think fear looks like? Every person, when they are afraid, we're, we're usually down a lot we're not up to, but we're also very afraid of pursuing things with our whole heart and maybe losing. We're afraid to give our best in losing causes 100% of the time. I've got it happen. It happens to me every day. It happens to everybody. That's why they call it the a black door. Oh, King Wimp comes, jumps on your shoulder, son, and he whispers in there, oh, it's too hard. Oh, I might do bad. Oh, I might look bad in front of other people. All the negatives. And you've got to listen to the other angel on the other side and this summer I told everybody that The well, little kid said, well, well, what are we going to call this uh, the good angel on the right shoulder, King Wimp on the left shoulder? And this other kid says, we're going to call him King Can of La And my son, you know, I was trying to tell him you got to listen to the right name. Well, he got in the car and he jogged over there and he went through it and he did it. But the point being is that we get afraid of going through black doors and going after stuff that we're not really good at. So, um, I wanted to introduce my friend here, and I'll get him on the line here. Let's see if I can get him on the line. Coach Darrell Cummins, are you on the line there?
2: Yes, sir. Coach Darrell? I am online.
1: I'm All right, online, great. Chuck. Well, look appreciate I appreciate it, and thank you for coming on the program today, American Tennis. But I'm going to, now. Look, I'm going to go through your resume here a little bit, pump a little sunshine. But people out there, if you get on the internet sites at all, and the Facebook and all that stuff, and look at the videos, you guys, all of you out there know who Daryl Cummins is if you pay attention to tennis. But Daryl's been in the Tidewater area his whole life, up there in Virginia Beach. Now, you've been coaching now 32 years. 1986 was your first year, right, Daryl? That you
2: coach college 19, uh, ODU. See I, I started in Old Dominion In 1992 I played for them in 1986 So oh,
0: 1992
2: okay. yeah, So I did 19 years at Old Dominion Three years at Virginia Wesleyan and uh, I'm in my Third year at Norfolk State So uh, I'm not good at math But that's 19 plus 3 plus 3 And all the schools 25. Are about 15 minutes of, Yeah, There we go All the schools are like 15 minutes apart.
1: Well, a big point I'm trying to make, you've been done multiple things at multiple levels at three different levels of colleges there, and because you've grown up in that area, one of the biggest things that I've been impressed by is that you're giving back to your roots, and whenever we give to our roots, we care at a much, much deeper level. This is American tennis. I love America. I love tennis. We need to build players in the United States of America. It's not that I don't like other players or other places. I love working in Thailand, but this United States of America, we want the United States to do the best. You've given blood, sweat, and a lot of tears in your programs up there, but you were born in that area. You played at Lee's <clears throat> McRae, excuse me, Lee's McRae, and then ODU. You've always been one of those guys who are extremely creative, Daryl. I mean, you've been on the cutting edge of so many things. And um, I'm going to keep it short here instead of going through everything. But now you run Cummins Athletics. I've always said you're an innovator, an educator, a developing uh, mentor, you know, a developmental mentor, Procrastinat. Pro- Prognosticator of what's coming Around the corner and and Whatever else but Daryl um, I want You if you can I want to talk About the UTR today And then I'm going to give you a broader picture To paint about what you would do if you were In charge of USA Tennis But the program I put on Today I got Daryl Cummins UTR is, is just in time And only Lead in I'm going to give you there is as a coach, I've always been frustrated because, first of all, when they when they broke down the, the uh, way of having tournaments and everything, they took the simplest, most simplistic way is that's by age. They, You know, I've always argued that at 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under, 16 and under, 18 and under, 21, it used to be the 21 and under, and they go by age. But the problem is that segregates players from learning so, so much it's also the way that they did it, it makes sort of sense to do it sectional, regional, state, and then national, you know, in there and things. But they they basically have frozen the careers of so many, or we all have done this, frozen the careers of so many players because they couldn't break out of the pack. And I like the UTR, Universal Tennis Rating, from the start because our players. Our players uh, have hope. They have hope. A rating mm-hmm. system. Yep. Gave them, my eight, nine, and ten players on college teams would die on the vine because they weren't getting yep. to play. There weren't any tournaments for them. There was no way for them to work through. Once they were a, uh, once they were uh, catching splinters in the rear end from riding a the pine, they pretty much mm-hmm. they were they were dead and gone. So. I would like for you, I'm going to get talking about you and everything else you've done here in a second, but could you would you mind giving a history of the UTR a little bit and uh, sure, sure. how it came about, you and well, a guy what? named Dave Howe were primarily guys that moved that thing. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to turn it over to you here. And if you could, we need to get that on record because it's going to be so successful. A lot of people are going to be out there trying to take credit for it. Like to get it on record the true story About how the UTR evolved And why it works so sure, well sure.
2: Oh, Go sure. ahead well, well first of all Chuck uh, I thought with my resume you cut it Short there I mean you know There's a couple of things that, that were missing From my resume that you, that you didn't have For example um, The last time you were here I pretty much Saved your life I mean that should be On your resume ah. I mean, You know you were you were, having a, you were having a bad health day, and I rushed you to that urgent care, and, and it turned out that everything was good. But, you, you know, I mean, I stepped up to well, the plate there. You, 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 you scared it was, the hell out of me there. And then, and it scared you scared the hell out of I'm me. To, yeah, I mean, it was a little awkward. You're in town, and you're telling me where I'm supposed to bury you. And I'm thinking, man, if, no, I, if oh, you oh, die in my road track van. If you died in my road track, I hey, could never drive that thing again yeah. because that would be a little weird to suck yeah. by in my freaking car. you would have
1: figured it so, out, you would, have, you would have dumped me out there somewhere, you know. But these days, look, I had a thing called, an uh, what do they call it, ocular migraine. I thought I was having a stroke. I'd never seen that. I had flashes going off in my head. And, uh, you know, I never did drugs or anything when I was a kid. You know, I... I've been wide-eyed a lot of time on the tennis
2: court, but my golly, that was a weird deal. <laughs> well, but, uh, <laughs> well, I put it on my resume that I saved Doug Creasy's life. I mean, there's a little exaggeration, but, you know, I got you there. I even ran a red light, you, were, you know, because when you started talking about where you wanted to be buried, I mean, I thought we were just going to cremate you and put you spread your ashes at Cape Henry Ragged Club. So I, I didn't know we were going to have a full <laughs> Elvis eldest, eldest, eldest Presley uh, burial process. You know, so anyway, so um, uh, that, that could be on my resume maybe maybe later on. Uh, but but the UTR was um, created here in, in the 757 area code. Uh, we call it kind of coastal Virginia now, but pretty much in the 757 area code. A, a good friend of mine who is probably one of the, the most, if not the most, uh, 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 intellectual guy that I know in tennis as far as competitive analysis really Evaluating competitive play, um, Dave Howe, uh, who again is a, is a is a friend of mine and and, um, and he's mentored me uh, throughout the years. Um, he developed this system and he called me and he said that he was running tournaments uh, that were level based. And I said, well, how did he? De- how do you determine the level? And he came up with a formula which was a competitive threshold of six three six four. And what inspired him to do this was he looked in the high school paper, and I mean, he looked in the paper at the high school matches, and the most dominant score that he saw per set was 6-0. So he he, he quickly figured out if you don't give people a good match, um, you're going to lose them from a great game. And so that formula, uh, he ran uh, he ran many, many tournaments doing this, and if the tournament had a 50% competitive rate, he felt like he did a good job as far as giving people matches. So that means 50% of the matches were six three, six four, or closer. And and he had all the different levels. At the time, we were going 1 through 12. So after a period of a couple of months of him really uh, uh, pushing this and us having these discussions, we, we started a business um, called Universal Tennis. And... Um, so it was he and I and it was five former Old Dominion college players. It was um uh, and, and uh, it was uh, uh, two sisters, uh Ikel and Pachi and Alishandra. Uh, the three guys were Alishandra, Johan and Nicholas. And uh, who all live in the area, uh, uh here in the seven five seven. So we we got it going and then then we needed to add some so there were all seven Old Dominion players, but then we needed to increase the intelligence, so we got us a UVA guy uh, like Ringo Starr. Uh, he was kind of, we call him the Ringo Starr pretty much, Steve Clark, who, um, who's, a, who's a patent attorney and, and, and an engineer, and he's pretty much the smartest guy in the room. So, so uh, every time that Dave and I would finish talking um, throughout the years of the development, we'd always look at Steve, and Steve gave us a thumbs up. His, uh, you know, It was a good day. So if you saw the movie Moneyball, in, in the baseball movie Moneyball, uh, Dave Howe would be uh, Bill James, who was never made the appearance in the movie. He's the guy who wrote the formula. Steve Clark would be Jonah Hill, and, and I would be Billy Bean or Brad Pitt. And, and, I'm, and not just because I look a lot like Brad Pitt, but, uh,
1: <laughs> but I was the guy. I don't would, think so. Was, You've been on the Internet too much for anybody to think that. <laughs>
2: Chuck, I'm on a roll here, man. you interfering if I look like Brad Pitt, I mean, you know it could be, could be I mean if i if I had life in a suction, that, that'd work. but anyway,
0: um,
2: so I was the guy I was the guy that was actually using this stuff at a mid major level, coaching and recruiting and and, and and at the time at Old Dominion as we went through this, we had twenty two NCAA qualifications. Um, either singles doubles or team i mean we didn't have those fantastic clips and results you, you know but 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 we, we 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 did a little bit of damage with it so that's so that's how utr developed and then later on i connected dave howe with dave fish and then it, it became a more of a business with the board and and the ceo like you bruce like was the first ceo so so kind of it Moved a little bit to to Cambridge, um, Massachusetts, and then this last fall, uh, Mark Leslie, uh, with an investment group uh, that, that had Major League Baseball and um, Los Angeles Dodgership group, and recently uh, Roger, a guy named Roger Federer, became has become a financial investor with his company into the UTR. So Mark Leslie, in the past six or seven months, you see it all over the tennis channel. Um, Colleges have been using it, and now they've launched this community platform where it makes it so efficient to organize tournaments. For example, you just said, hey, what do you do with your number eight player? Well, you you can either organize uh, them. I've organized tournaments now in less than 24 hours. We had a one-day tournament where we played two out of three mini sets with eight players, UTR level 12 to 11. I'm sorry. Actually, 13 to 11, and everybody got three matches, and the results went directly into UTR. So, and, so if you go to uh, myutr.com, they, they have the, all the clubs. So every club, every college uh, coach should have their own club on, um, with with UTR, and it takes you about. It, it's about as easy to set up as Uber or Airbnb. Takes you two or three minutes then you can begin organizing tournament play and so forth. So right now at Cape Henry Racket Club, we have a tournament every Saturday. We have match play on Sundays at 4, or we can set up a custom match for you that's all verified UTR results. So now we're getting kids rated and giving them an opportunity to improve their level, which is through, as you've talked about many times on your show, it's about intrinsic value here. It's not about chasing points because people who chase points, uh, um, you know, they're trying. To, people who chase points don't really get the chance to improve as much as opposed to people who are trying to get their level of play higher. And um, so it's a really cool. It's a really cool system. So we're organizing 20 matches a week at our club, and our college team, Norfolk State will be playing in five to seven events that are organized local by nature. So it has some former college players, some future college players, and current college players, and they're all organized by level. And the and the uh, tournament management software is so easy to use um, from, from um, organizing the tournament to getting the results and also from promoting the tournament and its uh, very very transactional very 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 transactional so i think that's pretty much the 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 um the history i mean there are some inside stories um that are that have came out that like dave hall and i used to argue about stuff you know what to argue See Dave, if you really get to know Dave, Dave, if, if he's if he was painting the Mona Lisa, so if he was uh, who painted the Mona Lisa, Leonardo da Vinci or something like that. But one time I said Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio, but uh, he's an actor, right? <laughs> so anyway, the, yeah. the, the guy who painted it, Dave is he's he's one of those mad scientists that really like. To, to get everything perfect To really get everything perfect So one time we were discussing the difference between decimal points And I said no one needs decimal points in the UTR It's good enough in, in, in whole numbers Because I was kind of irritated that he was dragging his feet on something Anyway it turned out to be a little wrong Because the decimal points when you get on the UTR There's a big difference between a 9.7 and, and a 9 So the decimal points are really relevant so I, I think we're going to see. I, actually, I know it's just a correction in the market. We I, and I don't blame the USTA or any organization for this, but uh, the US, USTA runs a wonderful tournament. I'm watching it right now. It, it's pretty cool. It's a little hot, but it's pretty, but it, it's a pretty nice tournament. But we, as a as a market, we just got oversaturated with. Um, Age group tennis and, and 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 frankly, people don't even play age group tennis. The 14s are playing, the 16s, the 16s are playing, the 18s, the 18s don't play at all. So um, we, we just got oversaturated with that. And I think there's correction in the market that UTR is providing. They're providing more level based approach, so that way we can get the number eight guy on, on, on a on a college tennis team. If we can get him 40 or 50 competitive matches a year, then that's pretty good. So there's only two markets out there in tennis there's the market that um, there's people who play tennis and then there are tennis players and tennis players are usually the people that are playing about six tournaments a year and and more competitive so we need to grow the base of getting more people playing tennis for sure and at the same time converting those people into tennis players because we certainly need to improve upon that number of about twenty six thousand junior tennis players in the United States. That's that's just not a that's just uh, not a good number. We we gotta have more of that. But if you're talking about traveling, paying seventy five to hundred and twenty five dollar entry fee and traveling for twenty weekends to chase points, um that's just not a healthy system for parents or players. It's not it's it's too expensive takes up too much time when on a local level you can cluster these kids with adults and then you can start to ask some really neat questions when the kids get ready to go to college i think every college coach should ask the recruit hey when's the first time you beat a guy in front of his wife and in and most kids in france say about 14 or um, you know what, what experiences they have, but we keep 14-year-old kids playing with 14-year-old kids entirely too long, and 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 that doesn't create the natural mentoring system. Because on a local level, when you get that 14-year-old kid playing with the local attorney who's still a competitive player who who did play in college, now we're passing on experience and and natural mentoring at a, at a very very mo- much more efficient cost. Been selling hours of lessons, or, or, or gobbling up whole weekends to go to a tournament, and uh, and not be level based, um, where the kid got some good matches. So that's pretty much it in the summary. There, Chuck. Any, any questions you want to fire out there to
1: uh, oh, uh, I, to follow I, up I, on that? Well, I, yeah, I've got about four or five things written down here, but my golly, what a great synopsis! A couple interesting things you brought up you know, about the players, incentivizing players. I've often thought if I had not learned at a city park where I, you know, there was a hierarchy, I had to beat old George first. He was the left-handed old buzzard that actually strung his racket with kite string. And you had to beat him yeah. first. And then you had to beat a guy, John the fireman. then you had to beat John the cop. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, then you it got it. If it's I ever uh, got, I remember, the, hey. Oh, I mean, hey, Chuck, the I'm mentoring that this went is- on.
2: This so is for real, Chuck. The guy that I had to beat was JoJo the Plumber. That was his name. I remember it took me 20 times to beat JoJo the Plumber. That was his real name. He was a plumber, and they called him JoJo. I said, man, when you get to beat JoJo the Plumber, then you can move up and play out. Yeah, my real guy was JoJo the Plumber. Yes, that's th- those are all true stories.
1: Yeah, and, and the bait, those those were bait that you used when you could beat an adult and you beat one of those person. I had Paul Ditsenberger. The day that I beat old Paul Ditsenberger, he was like the old man that took care of the courts over there, and uh, he rolled the courts and we'd wait for him to play. But to, to beat him, I was on cloud nine for a week. Um, and the, the point being is that we often do things – in the United States of America, because we can, not because we should. Computers have mm-hmm. allowed people to set up systems, and they've taken away a lot of incentives. I've often argued that we need systems, not we need incentives, not systems. We need a freeway and instead of a pathway. We need a highway. We need a freeway. We need an expressway to a lot of different ways to get get better. So we have segregated, not because we thought through it. It's like the point system; it's ludicrous. I, and, and look, I, when the point system came out, we all know that oh, it looks like a good way for kids to you know to to keep score. Well, basically, it wasn't about the kids; it was about all of our administrators having an easy way to make rankings where parents didn't complain about Johnny beat Billy back 13 months ago. So what our, our administrators sort of bailed out on that one, the, the point system is probably the worst thing that ever happened because kids play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. They do not play for points. And, and now the parents chase the points. So if you have some parents that are a little bit wealthier. They'll fly their kids all over the place to get points. And the kids are like, there's too many bad lessons learned by getting fancy trips, fancy equipment, and thinking you're good before you are in this sport. But you beating Joe the plumber, me, me beating John the fireman, and John John the cop, those those were big big things. And that, that's exactly. I wanted to ask you, though, real quick. Um, I wanted you to have the history out there, and thanks for promoting Dave Howell. He has to be one of the kindest people I ever met. I always said he's the Atticus Finch of tennis, just a kind, noble mm. man that's brilliant to be around. But the, the point I want, I, I'd like to bring up about this is your challenges are, I wanted to say, your roadblocks that you've had out there. Of course, the USTA. When they saw UTR coming down the pike, uh, their tendency would be to, first of all, disregard it, then, secondly, probably to say, wow, let's get them on board and let's take them in. And then, when you didn't, they probably tried to buy it out. And eventually, mm-hmm. you guys went with this, this company. Uh, what was it? Uh, what, what's the name of that company that bought you guys? Um, dang.
2: Uh, yeah, let me. Yeah, let me. I, I'll bring
1: okay, that up. What were your roadblocks? What were your roadblocks? Well,
2: well the, the the roadblock was, was uh, I believe that Dave had said this. You know, it, it, it's, um, you know, some famous philosopher said is, you know, when you have a new idea and you're trying to present it to someone um, or present it and, and move it along, the, the first thing happens is, is people just ignore you. And, and on a local level, all levels, um, yeah, yeah, we, we were ignored. I, I remember explaining it to Dave Fish for many times, the Harvard coach or Billy Martin, the UCLA coach, or explaining to people, and, and they just kind of ignored you. On a local level, we were just ignored. And then what? the second progression is, then, then they make fun of you. You know, so, yeah, we were made fun of, All oh, Dave and Daryl and, the group, they think they're going to rate everybody in the damn world, man. They've lost their freaking mind. What what morons! And then they start to fight you on that third one, you know. So that, so then you then you then they, they start to fight you. So they oh the, the the ratings aren't right, or oh no, there's a better rating system, on this and that. So yeah, you know, in you know, some organizations that had their own rating system, they they kind of they kind of fought you a little bit. And then and then the fourth thing is that eventually you win and um sorry i guess well, i guess not that we won yeah, yeah. but but ten, ten, tennis tennis one um as far as the USTA is um and, you know the USTA is rather unique in the sense that each I, 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 I don't say that i wish it was a more of a venture capitalist organization that that fund in future uh, ideas and they do do that with grants they they do, do a pretty good job with that but each section has its own autonomy for for the most for the most part so, UTR was used a lot more in in the Midwest and and, and Northern California. Um, th- those were the first sections that really adopted it, that were using it um, to um, select and organize tournaments. And then other sections came along, um, and sections like Texas, uh, they're just really organized with their high school coaches. And, and I think it's a it's a pretty solid. USTA section. So each section has its own challenges. Some of it g- due to geographics, but really the last section to kind of use it uh, was the section that we're from. You know, that was one of the last ones. Uh, New England and ETA and the ETA were, were using it um, a little bit more for selection and, and for selection of tournament competing. And, and and I remember Lou Brewer Why do you think? Actually. Why do you
1: think, what, why why do you do you think, think your section last? Yeah, and that uh, a prophet's well, never recognized his hometown?
2: Yeah. Familiarity yeah, breeds like, contempt with... Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, for example, when you came to town here, when Chuck Creasy, the Clemson coach, the author of six books, came to town, I'm at my club, and there's members waiting for you after I revived you at the hospital. <laughs> there's members waiting for you to sign a book that's 30 years old. And... um and I was sitting there the whole time going, I mean, I know Chuck Creasy is a rock star, but I'm kind of a rock star too. And then I remember the guy who uh, uh, you signed his book, he said, so why are you here? And you said, well, to see Daryl, to help me out. And uh, and, <laughs> and he goes, no, why are you here? And of course there was some sarcasm, but yeah, locally, w- w- you're usually not as appreciated as you are you, you know, w- when you go into other areas and so forth. So, I just think that's kind of a, a human nature thing that, that uh, there's no offense of it. And that's why when I'm in my area, you know, that, that, that expression where you, if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. That's not true. But if you can make it in your hometown and impact your hometown, that's a lot harder to do than to do it somewhere else because somewhere else you're automatically given the platform if you're an expert. So if I bring someone in town who has a subscription to tennis week magazine, I mean, they treat them like an expert sometimes, and um, but but uh, I, I think it is uh, it, it just you know it took a while for the local area to to gravitate for it. Um, but it is really neat to see the UTR go from Norfolk, Virginia, or Virginia Beach, Virginia, to Cambridge, Massachusetts, to now it's in Palo Alto. So um, I mean that that's where it's based up because. You know, usually the ideas are reversed. The creative ideas come from Palo Alto and then spread to the East Coast and so forth. So, as as far as putting a little chip on our shoulder or give us a little swagger in our walk, um, that, that's kind of a pretty cool thing. And by the way, the person I ended up beating uh, was was uh, that really gave me the ownership in the 7x7. Seven seven. When I started beating Roy Beston, the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer that's when I was given the keys to 757.
1: That That's really an interesting idea, too, here. But I wanted to ask you real quick, um, um, you know, and first of all, I'd like to say in college, all the coaches, they still use the uh, star rating somewhat. You know, that you can tell, say, somebody's a three-star, four-star player. That has some relevance. Right. But parents out there, I'm just telling you, The coaches are all saying, what's your UTR now? I asked kids, one kid hitting on a backboard one time, I said, hey, what's your UTR? And the kid knew. He says, oh, I'm a 7.8. And the point Mm -hmm. being is that it gives the kids immediately something to hang on to, something to work. And if I could tell a quick story, Daryl, when I was up there, there was a young man practicing in – where you were at don't use his name here by the way on on, on the air cuz probably NCA right. would say something but uh the bottom line the kid was practicing and he was a young kid probably I don't know 13 14 years old and and um he's, it was dad was there and he played in the tournament and he you, you said something, okay so joe or whatever what's your UTR now and he said hey oh, he said as I'm an 8.4 or something he said, now you got to get to a 10 before coaches will start taking you serious. He goes, I know, I know. I'm going to work on that kick serve. And, you know, I, I know, I know. i got to come into the net more. And, you know, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. And so the kids are automatically, to coin it, are working for mastery. To label it, they're working for mastery. They're not working for success. They're not working for a ranking or money. They're working to learn the game once again. And that is beautiful because the rivalries, we again, we did not create rivalries properly because we segregated the age. And then also there's been such a glut with all the information that here everybody's working for a scholarship and this and this and this, and you can make money if you do this and this and this. So we've made people that play tennis and try to cash in instead of tennis players who are in love with the game. Daryl, hang on. I got to go to a quick commercial, and we will be right back. Daryl, I want to ask you, if you were in charge, what would you do? Also about no ad scoring. I think games to four, win by two, and a couple mm-hmm. other things. But uh, we'll be right back. Um, Daryl, if you could hang on the line, we'll be right back. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy with American Tennis. <laughs> This is Coach Chuck Creasy and my book, Coaching Tennis, it's been out 20 years, but it's still selling. It's one of the best-selling textbooks, tennis books, motivational books that you will find for your youngster or if you're trying to teach tennis as a coach or as a tennis teacher or if you're a parent and you want to use it, look up Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy, K-R-I-E-S-E, go to Amazon. And get this book. It's still selling, and it will be a great help to you or your youngster. Coaching Tennis, Coach Chuck Creasy. in America, Daryl Cummins, you're doing about the best job I've ever seen at uh, sort of figuring out how to connect tennis with the new age uh, of computers and all those things. And I'm eternal. I'm very, very grateful for all I've learned with you in just a couple of days, and and being mentored by you in that area. Uh, and I said a few things about you, but. Your company is called Cummins Athletics, C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S, Cummins Athletics. Yeah. Can you talk about, and, um, you know, I know you're a humble guy and all no, that stuff. I'm not, stuff, but I, I want not you, humble. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, you've had the scrap and you are fighting for your mm-hmm. turf. I, one of the things about everybody out there, we, we had a lady on a couple weeks ago, that said if you want to get tennis rolling, you've got to make it happen in your own neighborhood first. And we need people to um, take care of their local parks, take care of their local high schools. We need to – the sleeping giants are things like Small Town Tennis, USA. I've got a program ready to go. I might ask you how to get that off the ground, Coach Cummings. High school tennis is a sleeping giant. It is awful – that we're not using high school tennis as a great training ground. It is basically now just an after-school activity. It's sort of like being in the band where nobody, you know, and, and are just being in a club. It's not like a sport. I always tell stories, Daryl, but I'm going to let you talk here in a second. But do you, under, do you know that I was on a recruiting trip with Coach uh, Blumendalk a few years ago. We went up to – I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be bashing the place. But we went there, uh-huh. and it was in the fall. It was the first day of high school practice. We were had a couple of kids we were looking at practicing out at these high school courts. This is laughable. So they had about 40 kids. I said, oh, all these kids are trying out for the team. The coach brought out 10 dozen donuts. <laughs> and he was passing out donuts to the kids. It's sort of like, uh-huh. hey, this is donut day here. And I just go, oh, my golly, this is not uh, Bobby Knight, Bear Bryant, anything tough. This is not going to inspire somebody away from football or basketball or baseball or track. This It was laughable. And Coach Blumendahl said, how did we get into sport this many years? It's because the top mm-hmm. end is very, very daggone good. But I'm surely against just, look, participation does not breed excellence. Excellence breed's participation but participation does not breed excellence. I need you to talk about Cummings Athletics a little bit. And I wanted and we're going to put Cummings Athletics in charge of the whole United States of tennis here. Um you know for a while and you you've got a you've got a blueprint that you come up with talk about Cummings Athletics and all that you're doing there.
2: Sure. Um it, it Cummings Athletics it, it's it, it's a it's my business and in conjunction with uh, Cape Henry Racquet Club. So Cummings Athletic owns Cape Henry Racquet Club, which is in Virginia Beach, two indoor courts, three outdoor clay. It was established in 1974. My wife and I took ownership in it in um, in 2009. So um, Cummings Athletics, um, we have our own tennis club, but at the same time, we provide various services throughout the world. So f- for example, a, We've done webinars on um, on UTR, on the college recruiting process, on player development. So, so we provide also different uh, leadership and education throughout the world on, on tennis-related matters. Um, you know, wh- wh- whether it's uh, college recruiting process, like I said, player development, uh, how to use UTR in your clubs, or understanding it. So. And, and also, you know, uh, assisting coaches with um, uh, providing educational leadership in, in individual branding, social media, and, and so forth. So that that's the basis of that business. And um, and then Dave Howell, Steve Clark, and myself, we've we've started the new business, which is called Seven Shot Tennis, which is um, of not necessarily a follow-up of UTR, but but um, being able to provide an approach. In the language and efficiency for players to get a better understanding of how to move up levels of play um, within the UTR too. so, so we, we believe that um, many of the um, much of the terminology that we use in seven shot tennis that in the near future that it will also become common language just as um, UTR has become common language throughout the world. So that's kind of it in, in a nutshell, as far as um, as Cummings Athletics and in, and in, um, in, in what we do, um, and and the, and the business is is designed to be very dynamic and 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 and, um, and creative and innovative and, and so forth like that, and and we also own other properties that we um, uh, lease space to, as far as um, College athletes and so forth So everything is athletic related
1: If if you're a new coach Out there let's say you're 30 years old And you're just getting into yeah. it and you realize Well coaching I've got a $30,000 a year Job and guess what when I'm 55 I'll have a $50,000 a year job I'm not going to get rich right. in coaching It's just it doesn't happen uh, And I want to Be able to feed my family And and do some good things yeah. here Tell those young coaches what you would do if um, if you were them at thirty years old. And I know not everybody's watched. Look, I've got this thing. You're going to get a kick out of this. But I was going to try to tell people at the end, and I will. I would I would say, you know, open the doors like Daryl, but build a steering wheel like Dave. You know, you two guys. There's a <laughs> old Johnny. Wood, it's a Johnny Johnny Wooden yeah. quote was. Uh, learn as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, learn yeah. as if you'll live forever is the Dave Howe, the live yeah. live and go after stuff. And, again, going through black doors, you're one of the best have, I've ever seen at just going and, go and getting it. And I, maybe it's just because you're motivated by your home, home area there and it's your roots, but my golly, you're, you, uh, you're one of the best. But the point being, tell uh, those young coaches yeah. out there what to do.
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I'll give you some examples. Um, emails. As coaches, we all get these emails. And uh, you get a lot of emails. And, and we get a lot of emails for, from recruits or parents or, or people looking for stuff. So in, the, in these emails, what we're looking for is if, if someone viewed that email that was coming in, as an opportunity to, to get a return on the investment of developing a relationship with that kid or that family that you have no, no, um, you know, no connection with. Um, if you develop a relationship, how can you turn that into something that's, um, you know, a, a, a return on investment? So for example, like you've written six books. If all those emails are coming in, you can at least share an opportunity with them to, to buy your book or in my case what was some of the things that i've done is i developed a contact list and a relationship with everyone who's emailed me and um and uh, i did a webinar so uh one day i did a webinar on utrs about 45 minutes it was 20 dollars, and i had 52 people sign up for it and um My wife called me and said, uh, hey, are you doing the tennis clinic? And I go, no, why? And she said, well, I see all these $20 payments coming in. And um, I go, no, I'm doing a webinar. And um, so I did a webinar sharing. And all I was doing is sharing the information that I've learned with other eager coaches and and people within the tennis industry. And, And I just asked for $20. So in this case, there was 52 people that signed up for that. So, that was a good number for forty-five minutes. I mean, doesn't every college coach make a thousand dollars an hour, Chuck?
1: Uh, <laughs> no, huh?
2: no, no, not I mean, not, don't they?
1: I mean not, You know, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> really something. What I've loved, I've often wondered why, as coaches, what we have is a group of people that really love the sport, and if you don't mm-hmm. love it, you don't last more than five years. How many people have we known that have gotten in and out of coaching? or teaching within five years. You really have to have a vocation to do it. But uh yes. me, I,
2: but you do I, need, I need to, to make a you do one. need to make a living. Yes, you do need to make a living yeah. and there's and there's nothing wrong with certainly individual book branding, especially when you're helping other people save time and money and and educating them. So um um you, you know, so those are some of the creative ideas that kind of got the wheels turning, and at the same time, um, you know, provided the uh, college coaches all around the country are some of the most creative people that I've ever met uh, um, in, in the tennis industry. I, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Billy Billy Martin runs like ten weeks of camp, and he's, he's there every day, and, and and to build up that following, or, or the stuff that Manny Diaz does. Or, or, I mean, even Charles Gray ran off naked. I mean, the activities that they have, they're some of the nicest, most creative people and intellectual people uh, that I've ever met in tennis. And I think we got to do a better job of certainly um, promoting them and branding them and getting them to share information to, to make the tennis world a better place.
1: One of the things that I have a gripe about watching the U.S. Open or any tennis thing. <clears throat> Yesterday, Patrick McEnroe, I think, said something about Manny Diaz, was John Isner's coach at the University of Georgia. But if that ever yeah. happens, it's once a year. None of these guys, they don't promote American players. They don't promote American college coaches. They don't – and and I don't know what it is about tennis. People – there's this old saying that you never make your own light shine brighter by trying to put somebody else's out. But in tennis, because it's combative – a lot of times we don't lift other people up, or we look at their idea as a combative to, to our ideas, and, and that's it's quite a frustrating thing. I'm going to open that up. We've got about eight minutes left. What would you do? You're in charge. Cummins Athletics, USTA is giving you $2 million up front to write, all the, write the ship here. You've got a year to get your plan into action. How about that one for a good assignment, Coach? You're in charge. What would you do?
2: Well, what, what Chuck, first of all, you gave me—you know—you gave me a list of questions that prepared me for this thing. Somehow, that question didn't get on my on my fact sheet. Well, I mean, you're good at about shooting me. from the hip, there,
1: <laughs> Cummins. You're you're good at shooting from the hip. Let's hear it. Well, With
2: just a couple well, things. But,
1: but, Give us a few diamonds. Well,
2: we're well, well, certainly uh, American tennis. What we're competing for here is we're competing for people's attention. There's nothing simpler than that. You're competing for people's attention. So, for example, as a college coach, you know, Manny Diaz, yeah, I mean, at least he got a shout-out there. Or, or uh, Brad Dancer or, or or Craig Tiley at Illinois when Anderson's done. They, they got a little bit of a shout-out. Um, but you do need to blow your own whistle. So, for example, um, people on social media if it's twitter and and you have a half a million followers you become relevant in this world now uh, and and you're competing for people's attention so um we we continue to need to do a better job of competing for people's attention to to share the stories with american tennis players and um and the stories of where they came from how they developed of course you can
1: I, let me jump in just you know, give you a chance to think. We were, a lot of tennis people were brought up in the generation that an empty barrel makes the most noise. And at the end of the day, the high horse is a lonely perch, my mama used to say. And the mm-hmm. bottom line is you don't toot your own horn, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it it And, and the promotion, ha- if it, we could promote other people, like I can promote Daryl Cummins. Uh, Daryl Cummins yes. can promote me. But we need yes. to do that for others, because um look you yes. you're fighting for truth justice and the American Way at Virginia Beach area, you know the tidewater area, yes. and you know that's a noble thing, but a lot of people come across like they are self centered buffoons when they promote themselves, so um I know yes. we're fighting for attention, go. Take it away.
2: Yeah, yeah, but that, that's right. We, we have to promote each other. I mean, we, de- we definitely have to promote you. And my mother-in-law said the same thing as your mother. Hey, well, that's not the way we did it in your day. Listen, in your day, you didn't have the Internet, <laughs> okay? I mean, today we have the Internet. You have your own radio show. Um, I have social media, email list, and so forth. And we're, and we're competing for people's attention And and kind of like the BS barometer is very high. So now we need to supply content, you know, that, that, that is very, is very real and very good. But if I was, if I was the uh, czar of tennis in the United States, um, that $2 million, I would certainly use, I would find these people in the trenches that have good programs. I would treat it like it's a venture capitalist situation, you know, Uh, um, there's people in different parts of the United States in, in different area codes that Dave Howell and I like to refer to area codes. Hey, there's 757, there's the 804. So there's different people in there that are playmakers. They make things happen. In Richmond, in 804, you got Bill Barnes, who has a $30,000 prize money tournament that has a couple hundred players. If every community had one of those tournaments and then we worked backwards there, man, we could really develop some players. And integrating college into the player development of of local areas, uh, oh boy. And colleges have oh my God, colleges have some of the best facilities in in, in the world, and and, and players and providing these kinds of comp these uh, natural mentoring programs. It lies within the small towns and the big towns. We don't need to recreate it. We just got to reshuffle it and organize it a little bit.
1: You know, I, I look, anybody listening out there, what Daryl Cummins is saying, USTA people, you need to pick his brain. You need to, uh, uh, you, you know, we need people to do exactly what you're saying. And they will act like they're listening, but there's an old saying that number one people hire number ones, but number two people yes. who are in charge hire two threes and fours. And the the point is a lot of times – it takes somebody with a vision, and they—you really. What I liked what you said is, they have to work backwards. You have to decide in a still Covey Covey planner, work with the end in sight. You know, we work with the end result first, and then work backwards and solve the problems. But and uh, we we really are at a crisis place right now. Uh, I want to give you your closing remarks here in a second, Coach, but. To all you listening, we we are at a place right now, 26,000 tennis players in junior tennis. Do you know Dade County, Miami area, has over 20,000 soccer players alone just in that one county? So we're struggling in tennis. We need the UTR. We need all of you to jump in. We need all of you to find that person who's the entrepreneur who will go through doors and black doors and do it. Steering wheel or no steering wheel, I'd rather have... I'd rather have a lion trying to lead a herd of deer than one deer trying to learn lead a herd of lions. You know, you you've Amen. got to have people who are not afraid to jump in and do the thing. To do the thing. Yeah. But we need to make a difference in American tennis. Darrell, I'll let you close her up here.
2: Well I, anything I, else. I look in our yeah, I look in our community right here, Chuck. In in these two cities or three cities around us, we have a Dan McCain who who writes books. We have a Dave Howell who created the UTR. We we have this seven-shot tennis. We have some very good tennis facilities. We have three, four, five colleges within our area codes. And so we got levels of players all the way from level one to level 14. And and we got people – like the Beskins that, that have sponsored events. So George Pilkinen who's taken ownership of events and sponsorships. The money is here. The facilities are here. And, and the knowledge and expertise here, we just got to reshuffle it. And if we can do it in the 757, it damn sure can be done anywhere in the United States. It could damn sure be done. You know, we got great coaches, great players, and so forth at level. But we got college coaches who are level 14s. Now, we need those people to play and pass on these experiences. We just got to gotta organize it, and we, and it can't be a damn pathway because a pathway is only room for one person. But if we can take that reshuffle it make it a freeway where a bunch of people can get on it, then we've done something. It could be done here in 757. It could be done in all the other area codes.
1: I couldn't say it better, and I want to remind everybody you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life. And it has very little mm-hmm. to do with the win or loss. Coach Darrell Cummins, everybody check out Cummins Athletics yeah. in Spain and America.
0: America!